The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Monday, March 8th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Could The Simpsons replace their entire voice cast with AI replicas? A look at the scientific, artistic, and legal possibilities. Researchers have discovered an interesting trait in green tree frogs that they're describing as built-in noise-canceling headphones. A few highlights from the 1,200 new words added to the German dictionary last year, and a website that lets you play streaming music on a vinyl interface. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. With most of the actors who voice characters on The Simpsons well into retirement age and the show seemingly having no intention of ever stopping, Amit Kadwala over at Wired UK wondered, could the actors all be replaced with AI replications? And it makes a bit of sense off the bat, you know, the proliferation of deepfakes circulating online aside, major movie franchises have increasingly been patching together old footage of actors who have passed away, like Carrie Fisher in The Rise of Skywalker and Paul Walker in Furious 7, or even just to fabricate a younger version of an actor who coincidentally had an entire body of work from their teenage years to use as reference points, like Robert Downey Jr. in Captain America Civil War and Will Smith in Gemini Man. And with The Simpsons, you'd only have to create the voice. Surely that's far easier, especially with over three decades of content to pull from. Wired turned to Tim McSmithers, a Canada-based AI researcher and media producer who built a speech model that can be trained to mimic anyone's voice, and notably, has already recreated Homer Simpson for a few YouTube videos, including one where Homer stands in for Julia Roberts in Notting Hill. Here's how he does it, quoting Wired. McSmithers built a generic AI model that can turn any text into audio speech in English. When he wants to make a new voice, he tunes the model further with two or three hours of new data of that particular person speaking, along with a text transcript. It focuses in on what makes a Homer voice a Homer voice, and the different frequencies, he says. After that, it's a matter of asking the model to generate multiple takes, each one will vary slightly, and choosing the best one for your purposes, end quote. But the performance is pretty flat. As Wired says, it's quote, as if he's reading out something that he doesn't really understand the meaning of, end quote, which is pretty apt for Homer, but still not the performance the show would probably be looking for. There are other startups around the world, like Sonantic in the UK and Replica Studios in Australia, that are working to add some of that emotional resonance to AI voices by using actual actors to help train them, performing different lines over and over again with different emotional tones. Technically, if you had someone recite all the existing phonemes in the English language or read a sentence that contained them all, you should be able to then piece together any possible words you want. 
But in reality, people's accents and emotions can change things just slightly enough to make the process exceptionally challenging. Although absolutely doable, and the time it takes to train the AI decreases over time with more data. Both Synantic and Replica Studios, who work primarily with video games, where there's a lot of intriguing possibilities with things like getting a character to say the player's name or whatever the player wants them to, or having AI basically work as a stand-in until a real actor comes on board. But both of those companies say the actors they work with get paid anytime their voices are used in a game. And this is a key element for me. You know, not just what rights does an actor have if they're only ever used to train an AI and not perform a role themselves, so to speak, but taking this back to The Simpsons, what rights do actors have whose voices are recreated to be their characters? The Screen Actors Guild affords actors certain bargaining rights over the use of their likeness, which does explicitly extend to a performer's voice. And while this protection is being rapidly expanded and re-examined as technology evolves, you can, in part, thank Crispin Glover for its origins. After Crispin Glover declined to revive his role as George McFly in Back to the Future Part 2, they technically recast him, but they saddled the new actor, Jeffrey Wiseman, with prosthetics and employed classic stage tricks like having him upside down or wearing sunglasses to obscure his features, as well as the use of some footage of Glover himself from the first movie. Unless you were well aware that Glover hadn't returned for the sequel, you probably wouldn't have had any idea that the George McFly you were seeing was any different from the first movie. And so Glover sued the producers for using his likeness without his permission, and for not paying him for the use of the footage he shot for the first movie. But the legality of all of this now expands far beyond simply using a performer's likeness. And in many cases, who is allowed to do what isn't so clear. There's copyright law, which could give authority to the studio or whoever owns the rights, but that counteracts with the right to publicity, basically the Crispin Glover thing. And that's especially tenuous with a cast as well-known as the ones from The Simpsons. You know, a lot of people know these actors, and if an AI-replicated Homer were out there advertising for some product, people might assume Dan Castellaneta, who voices Homer, is endorsing the product, even if he had nothing to do with it. So it's a tricky path to tread, and personally, I'm a bit wary about the idea of AI replacing actors or any type of artists. I mean, that's not to say that I don't want AI involved in art. I think various AI tech can produce really rad art. I just don't think it can replace human-made art. And especially with something like The Simpsons, you know, on the one hand, it's been on so long that it's the perfect fodder for AI-replicated voices, because then it could live on beyond the actors and, I guess, honor them in some way. But on the other hand, it's been so long that there are countless voice actors out there who can nail the characters' voices perfectly, and probably with more emotion. Fortunately, even folks like McSmithers tend to agree. It's good for quick appearances, like a farewell for an actor who passes away, but an entire production with all AI actors would probably be pretty stiff in one note. Not to mention, it's unlikely to age well. Think of how CGI from the 90s looks to us today. McSmithers said, quote, The voice actors are bringing more to it than just a voice. They're bringing that emotional content. Dan Castellaneta imbues this 2D character with warmth, depth, and all the qualities that make us like him. Humans do a very good job of being human.
So I've talked before about some of the words that English language dictionaries added in the last year, words that really seemed to sum up the political, environmental, and pandemical nature of 2020. But English is, of course, not the only language evolving and adding new words during this unprecedented time. The Leibniz Institute for the German Language has added 1,200 new words from the last year. For comparison, in a typical year, they only add about 200. And there are some really good ones here. They have definitely nailed some very pandemic particular experiences. And apologies for my pronunciation here. I took one semester of German 10 years ago, and I don't think it stuck. So first is a feeling that we can all relate to, anxiety about COVID-19, or corona angst. But another very common feeling is being stressed or exhausted by how many video calls you have, aka feeling overzoomed. And a new feeling some of us might be encountering, impnide, or jealousy over someone who has been vaccinated. And here's one I hope to do more of as the weather starts warming up here. Abstandsbeer, or having a beer while distanced. I also like that they have established a word for this phenomenon. Maskentrodel is someone who wears their mask beneath their nose. Roughly translates directly to mask idiot. And a word likely established earlier on in lockdown. Balkansanger, someone singing or performing on their balcony. As The Guardian points out, quote, Those who study or speak German know it often combines words to make new ones. For example, Handschuhe, hand shoes for gloves. But while some literal translations can be comical to learners, German also manages to succinctly describe some complex human emotions. Famous examples include Weltschmerz, world weariness, Zeitgeist, spirit of the time, and Schadenfreude, joy in another's misfortune. End quote. And Dr. Christine Murs from the Leibniz Institute emphasizes, quote, language has a strong power. We see again and again how important it is to formulate precisely and to be very careful about which words we choose. Words not only convey content, but also convey emotions and feelings. And speakers should be aware of that, end quote. Do you ever wish you could just tune certain people out? I mean, it's not a nice sentiment, of course, but I think we've all been there. You know, you run down and people are being noisy. Maybe in the before times you were at a loud cafe and trying to hear your friend, but everyone else around you was just too dang loud. Well, if only you were a tree frog. Turns out, tree frogs are able to cancel out all the noise except that of their own species. And the weirdest part, at least for those of us who haven't studied frog anatomy since the seventh grade, is that it's their lungs that help enable this ability. The findings, published last week in the journal Current Biology, were an accidental discovery. The researchers had instead been studying how green tree frogs, a species found in the southeastern U.S., are able to tell which direction a sound is coming from. But backing up first, some frog ear basics, quoting Popular Science. Frogs' ears aren't quite like ours. Our two ears are mostly independent of each other, but frogs' two eardrums are connected through their larynx, meaning that one eardrum can hear sounds passed through the other eardrum. This configuration isn't found in mammals, and it might seem alien, but it's hardly unique to frogs. Lizards and alligators also hear this way. End quote. 
So after the researchers' first hypothesis about the directionality of sound didn't pan out, the scientists set out to figure out why, and quoting again, they found that frogs' eardrums picked up far more sound from their lungs than from the opposite eardrums. Moreover, they found that lungs actually reduced eardrums' sensitivity to sounds at certain frequencies. But what were those frequencies? The scientists wondered if they matched anything that might live in the tree frog's natural habitat. Using data from citizen scientists who had collected information on which amphibians lived where in the U.S., the scientists found that the resonant frequencies of the lungs matched the calls of the tree frog's neighbors in the wild. At the same time, the signals didn't interfere with the tree frog's ability to hear the calls from their own species. The researchers say they've only begun scratching the surface of understanding this process, but for now, they think it's quite like how noise-canceling headphones listen to ambient noise and erase it. They believe that the lungs' vibrations create sound waves at the same frequency as other frog species' calls, but out of phase. The peaks of unwanted outside sound waves match the valleys of the lungs' waves and vice versa. The researchers think this is an evolved trait. So when the waves meet at the eardrum, they cancel each other out, and it only works at particular frequencies, allowing frogs to hear their own kind best. End quote. Now, while so far this has only been observed in the green tree frog, or Hylocinera, the researchers think it's possible that it's an existing trait in many other species of frog as well. That said, there are over 7,000 frog species around the world, and some of them don't even have ears. Others don't have lungs. Frogs in general are exceptionally diverse, so it definitely isn't a frog-wide trait, but it could be more common than we think. Ending today with a cool quick link from Kaki.org called Needle Drop. It's a turntable interface for your browser that plays any song or album you want from YouTube. So the site is a bird's eye view of a turntable with a functioning tone arm, volume control, and 33 and 45 RPM selector. You can pick a song or album by finding one on YouTube and copying and pasting the URL into the track button, and you can start it by pressing the play button in the center of the album, the start-stop button, or, if you really want to play along, by moving the tone arm. You can also move the tone arm anywhere on the album to skip ahead in the song or to a particular song on the album just like you could on an actual turntable. This is pretty cool. Thomas Park, who created it, says he was inspired by, quote, unapologetically skeuomorphic interfaces like Apple's original podcasts app. He appreciates the way the digital tape reels on that original podcast app would visually show you how far along you were in the episode you were listening to. Likewise, the tone arm on Needle Drop progresses as you listen, but even more so, like I said, you can jump around to different songs or wherever you want on the album. As always, I'm super into any kind of merging of old tech with new and with experiences that encourage us to slow down. In this case, as Park says, quote, It's fuzzy and inexact and emphasizes the continuous listening experience an album can be. End quote. Although, fair warning, in case this happens to anyone else, staring at the record spinning around and around on the turntable on your screen might make you a little queasy. Doesn't happen when I stare at physical records, but whoa, this sight made me dizzy.
By the way, if you want to read more about the Crispin Glover debacle I mentioned in the AI segment, as well as the drama over Eric Stoltz being recast after already shooting as Marty McFly for several weeks, and way more, I highly recommend the book We Don't Need Roads, The Making of the Back to the Future Trilogy by Cassine Gaines. And another fun quick link from Kaki.org today, UK-based shoe store ShoeZone has replaced their previous finance boss, Peter Foote, with a man named Terry Boot. As Jason said, this is the best name-fits-the-job news since Doug Bowser became president of Nintendo of America. And in your now regularly occurring NFT news, Twitter founder Jack Dorsey is selling the very first tweet as an NFT. It's his tweet from March of 2006, which reads, in all lowercase, just setting up my Twitter. And that's Twitter spelled T-W-T-T-R because it was from the era when vowels weren't cool. The highest bid so far is for two and a half million dollars. And it does make me wonder what sort of precedent this will set up for collecting tweets. Like, and I hate this, but just imagine how much money the original Kafefe tweet would go for. Like, we thought just getting a huge number of retweets was a sign of clout. Well, what if you could literally buy other people's tweets to show off? Weird, weird world. But that is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.